When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to talk about an interesting topic of what is your couple identity. But before I do, please do subscribe so you can access all of my paid content, including my most recent episode on maintenance sex and many other cool episodes like why women care or don't care when their husbands get in shape and like a whole bunch of other ones, sibling rivalry, just too many for me to recount here. But there's a lot of extra content. Also, join my subscriber-only Facebook groups you can interact with other Dr. Psych Mom fans and me in real time. A lot of psychologically minded people in there having interesting discussions. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about what is your couple identity. And you may have heard if you've ever been in couples counseling that you should uh, focus on the we, not the I, because if you focus on the we, then you're thinking about things from a team player perspective and not just your own individual needs or wants. And this is a good thing to do if you want to be a healthy couple. But the thing is that some people's low self-esteem and negative self-image kind of gets in the way of forming a couple identity and some people are just extremely um like uh selfish (laughs) you know to put not too fine a point on it and therefore they're they do put their own needs repeatedly above that of the couple and it isn't because of their low self-esteem so let's look at the low self-esteem one first so first of all let's Let's back up. What do I even mean by a couple identity? So here's some examples. We really like to go to museums. There, you're a couple that likes to go to museums. We um, are. We love going to church and raising our kids Catholic. Fine, you're Catholic. You're a Catholic couple. Um, we really uh, value sports and exercise. All of these, you see what I mean? They're all we, we. What is our couple identity? We are very physically affectionate. We value uh, nights together. We like eating dinner as a family. We are into extended family, whatever the hell it is. The more we's that you can think of, that you have things in common, the better your relationship is going to be. You know, remember, this is supposed to be your friend like people forget about that they think it's like their enemy like they're in opposition it's always like are we going to do it my way or your way it's like a very competitive dynamic and I've written about that the competitive marriage post that I could link you to But people forget that the predominant point of marriage in, you know, today's day and age when it's not necessary, you know, it's not like anybody's going to be excommunicated if they have premarital sex, you know, um, you you want to be on a team with somebody. You want to, like, have a friendship. You want to have things in common. So it's very good to think about and even write out what is your couple identity? What are you? If you can't think of very many things that you share in common in terms of likes, dislikes, values, love language, whatever the hell it is, then your marriage probably not doing so well. And there could be two reasons for this, right? First is you have low self-esteem. You don't even really know what you like. 
like. You're terrified to take a position on anything because you don't want to offend anybody. You don't really ever want to do anything wrong. You probably grew up with very difficult parents where you're always walking on eggshells. So to say that like even to identify somebody who themselves really likes exercise, you don't really even like to come out like that on on the side of anything, you know. But what happens to your spouse is if they're married to you and you are this sort of depressive, low self-esteem person that doesn't really identify as particularly being into anything and being very uh, enthusiastic about anything is they kind of get dragged down with you, your spouse, not that they're perfect, they got their own problems, but they're kind of getting dragged down with you in this sense and they may not have the self-esteem to come out as as, uh, verbalizing their own likes or dislikes. So this is when you get people who they pretty much live through the children. And the only thing that they can decide that they are, that they are both, that they both do is they both really love the children. And then they kind of do whatever the children like. So if the children like baseball, they like baseball. If the children like swimming, they like swimming. If the children like to sit and uh, watch video games, then, you know, they do that. They may not uh, say they like that, but they'll do it. So the point is, if you are somebody that isn't too clear on yourself, self and your own likes and dislikes and if you're not like a confident person who will say this is important to me then it's hard to say this is important to us. You know, this is the sort of situation where individual therapy can really help you figure out who you are and what you like and don't like so that you can kind of use your confident momentum another term that I've written about to say things like, oh, we're a family that likes to go hiking. We're a couple that likes to go um, and to escape rooms or whatever. If you're that kind of couple, don't interact with me. I hate that idea of escape rooms. That sounds terrifying. But anyhow, um, the, the point here is if you don't really know who you are, it's hard to figure out who you are as a couple. This is why the advice is very good to like, you know, not get married until you really know who you are. But many people don't follow this advice because people have an evolutionary imperative to get married and to pair bond. Anyway, the other kind of person is always putting their own needs ahead of the couple because they were raised to be kind of self-centered or they're modeling um, after self-centered parents who are always trying to jockey for the position of whose needs would come first, right? And this is another competitive marriage they probably saw growing up. So in this situation, they'll be like, well, I really like sports, but my wife likes to sit on the couch. Or she'll say, well, I'm really into politics, but, you know, he doesn't really know anything about that. Or, you know, I like to take the kids for a jog, but, you know, he just likes to do these, like, you know, home things, projects, you know, whatever. These people condescend to each other a lot, and they're always trying to say that their way is the better way. Now, by the way, the extension of having a couple identity is having a family identity. Kids love having a family identity. We're a family that does this. We're a family who does that. Kids love groups. It's evolutionary to get into a group, a healthy, active group. You ever see Meerkat Manor? They follow those meerkats around, you know? You want to be in a group like led by confident, happy parents who engage in the world. You, you don't have that if your parents don't even know who they are as a couple. The couple is the is the main sun around which the children orbit like little planets. And so you got to figure out your couple identity and then you can figure out your family identity, which kids love. We are a close family. 
You know, you don't get a lot of school shooters coming from families that identified as we are a close family, you know, and uh, while it should not be your number one goal in life to prevent your child from becoming a school shooter, um, because that's so rare, you don't get a lot of depressed kids, you don't get as many depressed kids, sure, uh, psychopathy can be uh, biological as depression can be biological, so this isn't a foolproof, you know, um, method, but People who come from close families are happier people. They learned a confident, self-assured kind of identity from modeling after what their parents did, not as individuals, but as a couple and a family. Certainly as individuals as well, but not only as individuals. So... For example, you could have your mom be a really great role model because she's a career woman and you're a little girl and your mom is a, is a lawyer and she's just so great. But if your mom comes home and she shits all over your dad for like, you know, being a gym teacher or something, you're not going to be as happy and successful and uh, confident a little girl. You're always going to be insecure that, oh my God, what if I don't end up like my mom and I end up like my dad, right? However, if this woman, this lawyer and this example that I am uh, weaving now, if this successful lawyer uh, came home and her gym teacher husband and she took the little girl to the park roller skating and they're a family who likes to roller skate and that's even uh, more of an identity than that she's a lawyer and that he's a gym teacher, she is going to be a more confident, happy little girl because she belongs to a happy group that has a defined identity. There's way too much emphasis nowadays on individual identities within both couples and families to the point that children are like mad at each other because one's uh, extracurricular is, uh, you know, prioritized over the other extracurricular and they both have like 15 extracurriculars so God even knows how they sleep at night, you know, and, and who even can remember who has more than the others but the children certainly do. This is a very individualistic, competitive sort of dynamic that usually trickles down from competitive sort of parents who are always saying, who has more leisure time? Who's going to get to go out with their friends? Who makes more money? Who should be making the uh, decisions about where we go on vacation, etc.? So if this sounds like you and your marriage and your family, this is putting your children under stress and they're not learning how to get along with people well. So why don't you figure out what kind of couple do you want to be? If you don't have the same interests, can you develop any of the same interests, any of them at all? It would be very difficult for people to be close if they have all opposite interests and never engage on anything the same, right? So I am sure that even if he's an outdoor sort of person and you're an indoor sort of person that you can both like to play a board game together or you could both like to uh, talk about a TV show together or you could both like to um, have sex or anything that you could do as a couple. So figure out and discuss this if you're listening to it with your partner. Discuss what is your couple identity? What sorts of people are you? Are you the sort of people that just like to um, go on a vacation and sightsee all the time? Or are you the kind of people who like to lay by the pool? Just start simple, right? And start to amplify these similarities when you're talking in front of your children. Start to talk as though you're part of a team. In this family, we really like blah, blah, blah. Dad and I really like blah, blah, blah. You'll see that your children really like that. They really like being part of a family that does something together, you know? 
like we always go for walks. We like playing games. We're going to have family time where we do X, Y, Z. Uh, you know, I just went on a vacation and, and we, I say we as a family, go to these kind of weird places. We went to Mississippi and New Orleans and Alabama, and that isn't, you know, the usual type of going to a resort. So we go to, not that those are weird states or anything, but you know what I mean. Like they're not like going to Club Med. So I say, oh, you know, we as a family, we go to out, you know, off the beaten track kind of places. So now that's an identity. Oh, this is something we do as a family, right? So think about it. What kind of a couple are you? Are you a couple that is physically affectionate? Are you a couple that loves to read? Are you a couple that loves murder mysteries? Whatever you are, try to talk about it more, both within the couple and in front of the kids. And also, what kind of family are you? What are the family values? Do we like, in in this family, do we uh, love each other? Do we respect each other? Are we kind to each other? Do Do we uh, value going outdoors? Do we value travel? Do we value taking care of our pets? Do we value being part of the community? Do we value church? What do we value, right? So if you think about these things both as a couple and as a family, it can open up some different ways of viewing yourselves and it can also enhance feelings of closeness, which is really what all of this is about, closeness and security. So if you and your husband are a physic, if you think of yourselves as a physically affectionate couple, then that also amplifies uh, and, and directs you and reminds you of what to do, right? It, when you're not feeling that close, oh, we are fighting, but then again, we are a physically affectionate couple, so maybe I should go over and give him a hug. Self-talk is is massively underrated as basically the definer of your internal experience. You know, if you don't have the words for something, it's really hard to know what you're feeling. And if you do have the words for something, it directs your actions subconsciously in ways that you can't even be aware of, you know? And and if you, for example, if every night you and your husband said, um, you know, we are so lucky to be together, we love each other so much, Right. Just by saying that, you're feeling it, you know, you're feeling it and you're feeling good and you're feeling reassured. You have some sort of a routine, just the same kind of routine that you give to your kids, bedtime routine with same little special things that you would say. So it's the same kind of thing. So practice it. What sort of a couple are you? You know, think about it. Pause me. I'm sure you're tired of listening to me rant um, for a second. And say, what kind of couple are we? Come up with like three things. Then say, what kind of family are we? Right? And then come up with three things. And then commit to like talking about these things more and more and kind of building on them. Okay, so we're a couple that likes the outdoors. So then let's schedule some hikes. We're a family that loves to volunteer. Let's go to a soup kitchen. Let's regularly volunteer with the elderly. Let's regularly, um, you know, donate our time and money in some capacity that we research as a family. This cannot be overrated as a way to build and strengthen familial and intercouple bonds. Focus on what you are already 
similar at or what you already all or both value and amplify it by talking about it, building on it, and planning activities that go along with it so that you're forming a coherent identity and narrative for yourselves and for your family as a whole. All right, so this was a little bit of a different topic, not directly addressing any major crises, like what do I do if I find out that my husband hasn't been attracted to me for the past 17 years or anything like that, but just a different and maybe a nice um, thought experiment and uh, that can potentially reframe at the margins the way that you view yourself and your unit, whether that is just a couple right now or your family as a whole, hopefully both. All right, so uh, please let me know if you like this episode and other uh, potential topics that you want me to branch out and discuss, particularly if you are a subscriber. I always take my subscribers' suggestions very uh, quickly and respond to them via podcast or sometimes video. All right, I will talk to everybody soon. Have a great night. Bye-bye.